worshipers. Okay? Um, these represent four different people that you might find during worship at a church service. First, you have this person. The song starts, and they're staring at the ceiling, and they're counting lights. One, two, three, four. Okay? The next one, uh, they're not counting lights. And, you know, from across the room, maybe they're singing. But if you were close enough, you'd figure out that while their mouth is moving, no sound is coming out. Person number three is, is singing, you know. Um, perhaps what you'd call, like, your normal sort of worshiper, I guess. Um, and person number four is so excited that they are singing louder than the worship leader. Are you one of these people? Or maybe you fit somewhere slightly in between two of them. Where exactly do you fall? Is the last one the only one that's the correct one? Are any of them the wrong one? I mean, maybe this one's obvious, like, maybe you should be counting lights, right? This morning, we're talking about the rhythm of worship, and specifically, the rhythm of worship through song. Now, our current worship, our current word, worship, means, means to put worth in something, worth-ship, to give it worthiness, to, to give something value, to show something has value. Now, the New Testament word we see a lot is um, proskuneo, which means to kiss someone's hand as a token of reverence, to show deep respect, to, to put something or someone above you, to, to rank it higher than you. We got it? Okay, we get the general idea here? Now, listen, th this, goes, this goes a little deeper than a surface level, right? Like, I respect Adam, our lead pastor, quite a bit, okay? But um, I ain't worshiping him, okay? Right? Like, I'm not bowing down to kiss his hand. I love him, though. He's awesome. But, but that, that's a different thing. Worship goes, goes a bit further down. Now, there are lots of ways that, that we can show God worship. We can show God respect and reverence and, and show that he has value. We can do that through our time, our energy, our resources, um, and, and in so many ways, right? But today, our focus is actually on worship through song. Now, as I get into this, I, I want to show you that not only is worship through song, a very high value of ours as a church, but we can also see biblically that it has real value. Let me pray as we get started. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this message, and I just pray that our hearts would be open and that it would be exactly what you want to say to us. Amen. All right. Listen, worship is weird. It's weird. You know, as a pastor, and when we're inside of, of a church building, and, and people are walking through the door for the first time, it's important for us to, to consider what that's like. What is it like when they walk through the door? What are the things that we do that would make them comfortable? Because, you know, we want to be a loving and safe community of people, and that means you don't want people to be uncomfortable. And so we think through how to accomplish that. Now, I want, I want to tell you this. As church leaders, we're, no so, we're not so far removed from reality that we're unaware that standing up and singing together has to be one of the most uncomfortable things that you might be able to do. I mean, I don't know about 
you, but the last thing on my list I want to do when I meet a bunch of new people and I'm in a brand new place I've never been before is, is do group karaoke, okay? Like, that's just not on my list. Now, if you grew up in the church, okay, this is just what we do. It, it probably seems normal to you. But if you didn't, it's going to seem weird. I mean, even, even, think about it this way. Even our style of worship may be very different from other places you've gone. And so if you grew up in a more traditional denomination, um, worship here might be a little shocking for you. Okay? So worship is weird. But we do it anyway. Now, there are times when we, we make up excuses, you know, like, I, I don't like this song, or maybe you've been around for a while, but you, say, you just say, I don't sing, or, or I just worship in a different way. And again, worshiping in a different way is totally fine, and we should worship in so many ways. But I want you to understand that worshiping through song does have a role. This morning, I want us to think through all of our excuses. Now, I would say overall as a church, we love our worship through song. I mean, this is something that you can tell is a real value for us. It's built into our culture. And so maybe you say to me, like, you know, like, what, what are you trying to convince me of? Like, I'm already convinced. Well, here's, here's my response. First, it's important that we always revisit the why. Why do we worship? Why do we do this thing? It's important to make sure that that's fresh for us. And second, I'm convinced that the only time that we arrive is when we arrive in heaven with Jesus. And so if we're not there yet, I think that it's important to take a look at what our next step might be. What's it look like to take a step forward in our worship? What's it look like to, to continue in what we've already started? So as we talk about the rhythm of worship, I want you to consider your thoughts on worship through song. Are you anti-singing? Do you think worship is stupid? If you do, let's work through that. Let's be honest about it. Do you remember why you feel the way that you do? You know, what, what's your life been like? What is your story when it comes to worship? What led you to becoming one of those four people I mentioned at the beginning? I mean, even if it's number four and you are just the loudest person out there, what led you to that spot? Now, I can tell you my story. It starts in fifth grade. It's the very first time that I was ever in a vineyard church. And um, I've told this story before, but perhaps you haven't heard it. Uh, I, I want to focus on a specific part of it, though. It was, it was when my first time, I sat in the back row, and it was when the worship started. That's when I knew that I had, like, left planet Earth. I, I knew that I, like, everyone just seemed like aliens to me all of a sudden. Everyone stood up and started singing, and then, and then they did, you know, the, the raising the hands in the air, and I was like, oh my goodness, what is going on? You know, but, but, by the way, like, the, the raising hands in the air, does this thing make you uncomfortable? If it does, let's, let's talk about it for a second. Now, um, it, it's kind of like cell phone signal, right? Like down here, it's one bar, but if you just lift it a little higher, then you got two, and so you're more connected. I'm just kidding. That's not it at all. You guys, this is, this is really simple. This is a physical way for us to just show that reverence, that respect to God. Like I said before in those definitions, you know, um, perhaps a way to show worship or place someone higher than us would be to bow down or, um, or to, you know, like to, to kiss their hand. That's not something we do now, but it's something they did more back then, okay? Right, and so this is the same thing. It's simply a physical way of us just showing, hey, God, like, you're it, like, you're number one. I respect you. It's just a physical way of doing that. Now, I can't 
tell you when I started raising my hands for the first time. I can't even tell you when I started singing for the first time. I, I don't know when I became one of those people who were freaking out other people on their first time. But I do know that over time, my thoughts completely changed. Over time, I learned to value worship. But despite that, I have to tell you this. When I first started planning this message, I was like, this, this feels a little weird to me. Like, why, why me? Because we've got really great musicians in this church. We have people who've written worship music, you guys. We've got people who've been in real um, Christian bands, you know. Like, we've got people whose life passion is to lead people into worship, to lead them into the presence of God through song. And then there's me, who doesn't belong anywhere near a stage when it's time for the music thing to be happening, okay? And so here I am. But the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, the more I planned this message, the more I felt like God was reminding me of this. Worship isn't just for the musicians. It's not just for the musicians. And maybe you need to hear that today, too. It's not just for the musicians. Now, hear me out. I'm confident that a whole slew of our worship leaders can come up here. I'm confident that Rachel or Tyler or the other Rachel or Joel or, or even Chuck, you know, our worship pastor, all who are more qualified than me, could come up here on this stage and talk for 30 minutes and tell you amazing things about worship, tell you how it feeds their souls. And honestly, if you ever get the chance to have those conversations with them, you totally should, because it will blow your mind. But this morning, I want you to hear from a normal guy. Okay, let, let me try that again, because if you know me at all, you know that normal is not something that people associate with me. Let, let, me, let me try this a different way. I want you to hear from a guy who can't sing, who doesn't play an instrument, a guy who doesn't necessarily listen to music every day, and you know what made me be like, yeah, like I hear you, but like you're a pastor, so it's different. And and I gotta tell you, like let me let me blow your mind about this too. Pastors are actually just people with a specific calling on their lives. Okay? Guess what? You're a person too who has a specific calling on your life. We are just people. I, I, I'm exactly like you in so many ways. I'm not more holy. I'm not more connected to God than you are. I'm not more gifted. I am simply one player on this team of a church community. I want you to hear from that guy this morning. The simple, straight truth. You are created to love and be loved by the Father. And worship is one way that we show love to the Father. We love the Father because he first loved us. He loved us at creation. He's loved us through every misstep and mistake we've ever made. Hebrews 12, 28, 29. I'm reading from the message version. Now, I don't usually use the message um, uh, in a message, but sometimes it does a great job of kind of um, taking, us, taking us out of the text for a moment to really consider what the words mean, okay? And so uh, feel free to look this up in a different translation as well. Hebrews 12, 28, 29 says this. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming, brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. In case you're like me and big words scare you, okay? Reverent simply means showing deep and solemn respect. It continues on. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. Okay, 
Let's, let's talk about this for a second. Do you have anybody in your life that it's impossible to buy a gift for? Anybody that's just extremely difficult. Like, maybe you've had moments where you felt like you finally got it, you finally found them a good gift, and then they just open it, and you can just tell, like, it, it's just like every other gift they've ever received. You know, and you're like, man. Okay, my wife is great. She's amazing. She is, she is not a materialistic person, which is a good thing, right? It's a great thing. It's a great thing until it's her birthday, or it's Christmas, or it's Mother's Day, or anything like that. See, when her birthday starts coming around or something like that, I'm like, can you be just a little more materialistic? Can you please just like want something that's not like a need? You know, like want something that's just straight up fun? Do you have like the smallest desire to just like, you know, like something, something different? <laughs> you know, I get to the point where um, I get to the pleading stage as the, as the date gets closer. I'm like, please be more wasteful. Like, come on, come up with something. And you know, like, okay, here, here's, here's why, all right? Listen, if I just give her like socks for Christmas, okay, at some point someone's going to ask, would you get your wife for Christmas? Or someone's going to ask her, what your husband gave you for Christmas? And if she says socks, it makes me look bad. And I'm like, man, for Pete's sake, you're not wasting money is making me look bad. So get to it and start coming up with wasteful ideas. <laughs> okay, so here, here's what I'm telling you in this story. God is like my wife times a thousand. What do you get this guy as a gift? You know, it's like, like, hey, like, here's some money. Like, he's like, yeah, the, the streets are paved with it, you know, where I'm from, right? Like, and, it, and you're like, here's a picture of a beautiful waterfall. And God's like, ah, oh, yes, you know, like, I remember when I, when I thought that up and spoke it into existence. It is beautiful. And you're like, what, like, how do you win here? What are you left with? What can you give God as a gift? Worship. You can give him worship. And we see this play out in God's people throughout history. You know, um, God parts the Red Sea to rescue his people, and the waters fall back on the Egyptians who are chasing after them. And the text says this in Exodus 14. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. And the song continues on for, for a good chunk of that chapter. In the book of Numbers, the Israelites find a well, and they get excited, and they start singing together. David sings on the day that the Lord rescued him from Saul in, in 2 Samuel. In Acts 16, this is a good one, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Okay, they're in jail. And the prisoners were listening to them, which I think is interesting, because I just imagine that if you were in jail and you were singing, like, like what does it mean the prisoners were listening? Like, like they were an audience? Like, did these guys have good singing voices? I don't know. But it's very interesting to think about. When Mary learns that she'll give birth to the Savior, she sings. There's that, you know, one really long book in the Bible called Psalms, and it's all songs. But you know what? There's also the Song of Solomon, the love song. There's also the Book of Lamentations, where we see songs of mourning. Whoever said that life is not a musical, they didn't ask the Christians. That's for sure. Songs and music are crazy things. They transcend time. Every generation 
every people group all across the world. It's like, it's like this. It's like there's something built into us at creation. It brings people together. It can communicate every emotion ma- imaginable. You know, I like to joke this about worship. If you aren't sweaty when it's over, you didn't worship hard enough. <laughs> you know, I like to tell the youth that if they can imagine going to a Taylor Swift concert and paying $1,000, goodness, okay? If they can imagine going to a Taylor Swift concert and singing at the top of their lungs, why is it that when we start singing about Jesus, somehow you forget to make sound come out of your mouth, okay? <laughs> John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, he was a musician, and he said this, we in the Vineyard have, from the very outset of our ministry, made worship our highest priority, believing that it is God's desire that we become first worshipers of God. Again, it's God's desire that we become first worshipers of God. And because of that, here's what worship looks like in our church and in vineyard churches all over the world. Okay? Um, first of all, we, we value intimacy with God within our worship. We believe that making ourselves vulnerable to God's spirit as he made himself vulnerable to us is vital in knowing him and, and how he desires to be known by us. We value accessibility in our worship environments. We want to create an open path for, for every person, every age, every background to meet with God through worship. You guys, at our, at our youth retreat this year, um, one of the things that we did during worship was actually a little hip-hop, and that's okay. We value integrity in our worship lifestyle. Designing our lives match the songs that we sing. And so when we sing about the poor, when we sing about loving our neighbor, when we sing about uh, joining God in his work, our hope, our prayer, our goal, our desire is that we are, we're not only singing about those things, but we're doing them. We value cultural connection in our worship styles, appreciating sounds and forms of music that provide a bridge for the heart from different, um, from different generations and people groups doesn't always have to look the same. We value kingdom expectation in our approach to worship leadership. We believe this, as we respond to God in song, his spirit is with us to heal and deliver and set us free in the midst of our worship. You guys, we believe this. A worshiping people are people who experience the love of God. And then they carry that love out into a desperate world. We worship because we're in awe of who God is. We worship because we connect with God intimately through it. And you know, maybe it's that word intimately that makes it so difficult. Especially when you're in a room with other people. You know, it's like, okay, first, first, you want me to sing out loud. And you want me to feel feelings? Preposterous, ridiculous. But you know what? Biblically, it's clear to us. Revelation 7, 9 through 12 says this. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, for every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne but and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped God. And they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever, Amen. He 
You guys, there's no way to separate the emotion, the intimacy in that fantastic picture. You know, earlier I had a feeling that when I said worship was like group karaoke, that some of you may have had some thoughts about that. Because you're right, it's not. It's so much more. Maybe our, our first interaction with it feels that way, but it's so much more. And so I want to ask you this. Are you in a place where you're prepared to be intimate with God in your worship? You know, there's this great picture in 2 Samuel. King David is dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And, you know, we, we joke sometimes that David was naked, but actually he wasn't. In fact, it says right in the text that he was wearing his priestly garment, okay? That's not code for naked. Um, it simply means he wasn't wearing what he normally wears. He was wearing something that perhaps a priest would wear. The idea that he was naked actually comes from his wife, who comes out afterwards and she says this to him. She's kind of smart alecky, I guess. How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servants' girls that any vulgar person might do. You guys, she didn't mean naked. She meant exposed as in he set aside his official outfit. He set aside his official attitude. She means exposed as in he showed himself as a human being, capable of joy and silliness before the creator. She means exposed as in instead of showing himself as the leader, for a moment, he showed himself as the follower of Christ, of the Lord. He was worshiping. He was showing that God is even higher than himself. And so David does this. He responds to her and he says, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me to be the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. I celebrate Yes, I am going to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. What official business do you need to set aside? What's it look like for you to, for a moment, ignore the expectation people may have placed on you and instead dance before the Lord? Maybe even looking foolish in your own eyes. Maybe for you, singing out loud is foolish. Are you willing? Perhaps worship outside of a, a church service is something that we should talk about, too. What does worship look like outside of an auditorium on a Sunday? Do you know that you can do that, by the way? Like, they actually have worship music on Spotify. Crazy, I know. It's all out there. Every song that we sing in here, you can probably find on Spotify. Do you turn on worship music in the car? Some of us need to, because you know what? It's a lot harder to like yell at someone who just cut you off if you're in the middle of singing worship songs about how much God loves us, right? Not to be back when. What if you're having a bad day? Do you consider worship music? You know, a couple weeks ago, one of my high schoolers told me, um, she said this, do you ever put on worship music when you first get up in the morning and you're getting ready? It's like awesome. It like gets you real pumped up. Uh, yeah, it does. Have you considered that? If you're a runner like me, or if you work out, have you ever considered throwing some worship songs on your playlist? Have you ever considered using that time as a time to worship? Now, I wouldn't recommend singing while you're running because you might pass out, okay? But, but you know, you can like sing along in your head. It's definitely one way that you can, you can worship through song. You know, 
Maybe worship for you never looks like person number four singing louder than the worship leader. But I can tell you that if you're counting lines, you might be holding out. If during worship time you're spacing out or you wish you were somewhere else, you're probably holding back. If you're focusing on God, if you're making excuses like, I don't like this song, like, let, let, me, let me say it this way. You know, it's not actually for you, right? And so are you willing to maybe look a little foolish? Are you willing to maybe sing a song that's not your favorite song to just simply show God reverence, love, and respect? Are you willing to look a little uncomfortable even? And if so, make, make the most of it. When you're in a worship service, when you're at a church building, go to the back of the room. Or find the spot where there is less people seated. Go to the back row. There's nothing wrong with it. I can certainly tell you that, that here in our church, you can certainly do that anytime. When, when I get off the stage, anyone's welcome to move around wherever they'd like to go, and that's totally fine. Or better yet, and if you're in an auditorium like ours that gets pretty full sometimes, close your eyes and forget that anyone else even exists. Who cares about it? This is between you and God. All right, let's land this thing so we can actually do some worship. Here's the deal. You should worship through song corporately, in a group, on Sundays, at, at a church service, sometime throughout the week, on Holy Spirit nights, we do once a month. It's not only biblical, but when we do it, we see the kingdom of God break through. Freedom comes. Stretching and depression and, and, and struggles are pushed behind us as we step forward into the now of the kingdom of God. You know, Paul and Silas, um, that verse I mentioned earlier, they're singing in prison, right? And the, the prisoners are listening to them because apparently they have good singing voices. I don't know. Um, but they saw the gates of the prison open and the chains fall off as they worshiped through song. What prisons do you need to break through in today? What, what prisons do you need to be free from today? Worship corporately is important, but so is worship independently. It should be a part of your life. Listen, turn on some worship music. Go in a room and close the door and just worship. Watch your attitude, your focus, your, your intimate thoughts, your feelings come to alignment with what God's doing. Friends, we are worshipers first. When we worship, we see the kingdom of God move forward. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here. This morning, as we head into a time of worship, I, I just want to invite you, um, as a church, we'll be taking communion. And if you're watching this at home, we'd invite you to maybe grab some bread and, and grab some juice and take communion with us. You know, Jesus says this at the last one. He says, do this in remembrance of me. He says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So, as we head into a time of worship, I'd like to invite you to take communion. And by taking communion, you're announcing what Jesus did for us. And then, once you've done that, announce what he's done in worship with us as well. Let's pray. Hey, Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our community. And I just pray that we would have a breakthrough in our worship. Where God, any of us are holding back, God, that we'd be able to push forward into, into what more you have for us. Thank you, God, that you are so good, that you are for us. Amen.